to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to another Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Today we're starting a new series and we have Christy Wilkin and Jen Dotto with the Survivors of Suicide uh, Support Group here in Tuscarawas County. And we're going to talk about suicide today, suicide prevention. And um, I'll tell you what, Christy and I, Christy was a guest a while back. December. It was a December? Mm -hmm. Okay. It even seemed longer than that to me. Mm -hmm. But one of the things we we had talked about having a um, series on suicide back then. And she said, you know what? We probably need to wait till the springtime. She said, because that's when the most, the highest incidence of suicides occur in the springtime. And honestly, it kind of stuck in my head. Even today, I was kind of thinking, why in the world do suicides happen in the spring? So we're going to talk about quite a few things today, but we're going to just start with that very question because I'm just curious, uh, Christy. So, Well, I think the reason a lot of suicides occur in the spring is because people that are already depressed in the wintertime and don't want to see the change of seasons they just think, I don't want to deal with mowing the yard and fixing up around the house and just everything's green and growing and they just, it just depresses them even more. I mean, it's a myth. People think that the most suicides occur in December, but that's not true. It's April, May, and June. Okay. Yes. Very good. Well, I just jumped right into that. So real quick, <laughs> let me go. Christy, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Um, I'm Christy Wilkin. I'm a three-time survivor to suicide loss. I uh, facilitate the local survivors of suicide loss support group. I'm a mental health first aider and I'm a QPR, which is question, persuade, and refer a gatekeeper trainer to help people know of the signs and symptoms of somebody that may be suicidal and to let you know how to get them help. Very good. So first, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, And second, uh, I am just encouraged and I applaud just your effort to, you know, find some solutions here and help other people. Um, So thank you. And Jen? I'm, hey. Jen, I'm Jen Dotto. I'm a three-time survivor of suicide loss. Um, I help Chrissy, Christy, with the QPR, the gatekeeper training. Um, over the last three years, I think we've trained close to 1,000 people wow. in QPR for the signs and symptoms for um, depression, mental health, suicide awareness. Awesome. So we are going to talk about this QPR. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope we all can just be aware of what she said these suicides can happen now. This is kind of the season is what you're saying. And we probably need to know what to look for if we're going to prevent suicide, correct? Correct. Correct. So this is your best tool, you think? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we use it in the schools and use it for educators and pretty much anyone that's interested in learning more about suicide prevention. Okay. So something you'd recommend for all people? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think the more it's a proven fact, you know, if I train you today and you go to another meeting and somebody there is struggling, you're able to help them. If you train a young person in a hope squad or a high school setting and they go on to college, they're going to be prepared to help 
someone struggling maybe save a young person's life because they know QPR. Wow. So when you've taken QPR, where you train people, people do develop the skills to know what to look for and know what to say? Exactly. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Okay. Um, with that, let's just talk a little bit about QPR. What's the program, what you want to share with people? Because I think we want people to See, this is very important and something they need to do. Um, QPR stands for question, persuade, and refer. Um, the questioning part would be if you were talking to somebody who you think may be suicidal is to be able to ask them the question. Are you thinking about completing suicide? Um, persuading them to get help and referring them to somebody or some place to help them. Okay. Everybody can stop a suicide. It doesn't have to be somebody like me or okay. Jen or somebody that's trained. If you have the QPR knowledge, you can also save a life. Um, it's a proven fact that, you know, if a young person gets the help that they need now, they can go on to live a normal life and probably never be suicidal again. Awesome. That's, that's great to hear. Mm -hmm. So when that intervention happens with a young person... Are they able to successfully go forward because they get counseling or support or learn tools or? Exactly. Okay. Um, when we teach the class, we teach the def different things you need to look for. Verbal clues, um, indirect clues. Like, for example, some of the um, direct things that you might hear somebody say is, I've decided to kill myself. I wish I were dead. I'm going to take my own life, end it all. If such and such doesn't happen, I'll kill myself. Okay. I mean, those are, you know, the pretty transparent ones that, you know, you're going to know right away. So let me, I'm just going to intervene in case we have parents listening or people that work with young people. I mean, our young people can be dramatic from time to time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so if someone hears their young person saying something like that, like, you know, you need to take it seriously for one okay. thing, and you need to act on it and determine what help that they need. Because to me, if somebody says it and means it, well, you don't know for sure whether right, they right. mean it, but you can't take the chance. But what I mean is if they say it, that's a red flag okay. that you need to act on right away. Okay. So you said there's those direct phrases that we mm -hmm. need to be listening for. Mm -hmm. there's, there's also indirect phrases. Um, different things like, I just went out. Uh, who cares if I'm dead anyway? I'm tired of my life. I just can't go on. Or pretty soon you won't have to deal with me and worry about me anymore. Um, okay. They're not really coming right out and saying that I want to kill myself. I want to end my life. But they're, I guess, dancing around it. Okay. Type thing. Um, and so when people say that, you kind of need to watch their behavior and not be afraid to ask them okay. if they're suicidal. So I'm assuming you all have used this intervention with people before. Mm -hmm. How do people usually respond? Like when you just directly say, are you thinking about killing yourself? Well, I think in some of this, um, when you're talking to someone, your body language is going to speak volumes. I think the tone that you use. Okay. Um, to have a little bit more of a compassion tone than a stern. And when you're standing, you don't want to have like your arms crossed, kind of looking at them with that angry look on your face, like you're annoyed. Um, 
it's nice to sit down and talk one-on-one. Okay. A lot of times they probably won't make eye contact with you, and that's okay, but they're still listening. um, And just to have some compassion and be able to talk to them um, and don't seem like you're rushed, like you're in a hurry to get out of there, just to take your time. Um, And the, the big thing is to ask, you know, are you suicidal? Are you planning on ending your life? Okay. Um, and QPR kind of talks about different ways to ask the question. Um, it's, it's a very hard question to ask yeah. for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people would say, are you planning on hurting yourself? And that's not a way you want to ask because people who are suicidal um, and depressed are looking for a way out, but they're not thinking like hurting myself. It's not, I'm not hurting myself. I'm saving everybody from the burden that I'm putting on them. So QPR kind of gets you into a different mind frame as to how they're feeling. Okay. And it sounds like language is very important. Language and body language. Yes. Um, And there's times where like texting is okay. If you can't get with somebody like one-on-one, but we all know texting, things can be taken the wrong sure. way, different tones. Sure. Um, so I think one-on-one or even a phone call is is good. Okay. That makes a lot of sense because I know I can't read. I mean, you can't read emotion. You don't really know right. what someone's... And like I could text something with complete sympathy and they could Not interpret it something sure. different. So... Okay. I find this helpful and I hope listeners do as well. I have um, a master level social worker, but I haven't dealt um, in the mental health field for quite some time. And I know language, I'm hearing the words y'all are saying and I'm realizing, huh, this is probably something that I need to also take as a QPR class because I, I can... I could definitely hear the language is something we need to hear and learn. Yeah. Um, sometimes when you're talking with somebody, you may want to try to come off like joking. Um, and if somebody says, you know, I'm just not feeling real good. I don't know what's going on. I just, I'm, I just can't do this anymore. Um, the last thing you want to do is be like, oh man, it's okay. Tomorrow will be better. Don't worry about it. Just brush it off because they're interning that as what I'm feeling isn't important to anybody. So I'm just going to sure. keep it to myself. And that could have been a test to see if someone cares or listening yes. as well. Yes. Huh? Okay. yes. Very good. So if we take QPR, um, first thing we're going to hear about are what to look for, mm-hmm. whether that's direct or indirect. Mm-hmm. What other things would we be gleaning um, from this? How to ask the question after you determine that, that you think they are struggling. Like, have you been unhappy lately? Have you been very unhappy lately? Have you been so unhappy that you're thinking about ending your life? And do you ever wish you could go to sleep and never wake up? Just things like that. Um, And then there's more direct approaches as well. And I think some of the direct approaches, um, it's going to take a little bit. Like when you go through QPR, it doesn't hurt to go home and practice some of the lines. Practice asking somebody. Um, and you can say things like, you know, when people are upset, as you seem to be, sometimes wish they were dead. Do you ever feel that way? Kind of in the concerned, wanting to know how they're feeling. Um, or saying, you know, you look pretty miserable. I'm wondering if you're thinking about suicide. 
and kind of having that concern and different things, there's a lot of different ways to phrase it. Okay. So, and I think a lot of it's practicing how to ask that question. Now, I've heard people feel, they say or think, if we talk about suicide, it's going to make someone That's not attempt true. suicide. So, you're going to say? That's not true. true. Um, really, um, if you talk about it, you have a better chance of keeping it from happening. If somebody already has that idea planted, it's you're there. not... I mean, you're just going to only help them by bringing it out, talking about it, and using that word suicide. And I think some of it, by asking them, it's going to lower their anxiety and make them feel more comfortable. Sure. Sure. So, and then once they get more comfortable, they're more apt to open up and to get help that they need. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense if you're holding that in and then concerned what will yes. someone think of me yes mm-hmm. you don't have to worry because someone's already showed like it's okay it's not okay. to be okay it's okay let's just talk about what's going on and I'm here for you yes um, very good and there's a lot of things that that we look for initially to um you know when you're wondering if someone's struggling you may notice that if they have a drug or alcohol problem they're doing more of that um if somebody changes their appearance, and that can be your person that's dressed perfect, you know, perfect sweater, perfect boots, perfect hairstyle, all of a sudden they aren't as kept, you know, they maybe are coming to work or school in wrinkled clothes, but it can be completely the opposite too. It can be that person that never fixed themselves up that suddenly is, you know, good grades can go from bad and vice versa. Any change that you see in somebody's personality or listening to music maybe that talks about suicide, I mean, somebody that's cutting themselves, there's just all kinds of things to look for if you suspect that somebody is struggling. And I mean, you don't always have to wait for them to come to you. If you notice something like that, then it's perfectly okay for you to go to them and ask them, hey, I see you've been really miserable lately, or, you know, you haven't been coming to practice, you know, you don't go out with us after work, you know, just things like that. Anything that you notice different can be a red flag. Now, let me just say, this is a hard question, so I I apologize before I even say it. Um, Clearly, you two have done a lot of work learning, becoming educated, Um, now that you know what you know, did you see signs and symptoms with your loved ones that every one of them and you probably didn't recognize them? I'm assuming. No. Okay. So I just got chills and, and I say that because I don't think any of us want to be in a situation where we look back and like, I didn't notice anything and I'm not saying this in any other way, but after you hear you say, oh my goodness, there are signs, there's things to look for, there's things to know. I mean, without taking a class or having this conversation, you wouldn't know that. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's a simple, like people giving their possessions away, yeah. taking off their watch. Here, you can have this. I'm not going to need it anymore. Just little things like that are signs that sometimes the person themselves don't even recognize. Okay. I know the night before my husband took his life, Um, He had been struggling, and we knew he had, and, you know, we had tried to get him help and everything. 
Well, he woke up that Sunday morning before, and two suicides typically happen on Mondays because you don't want to face the week. Um, He hadn't been um, to his local place where he drank coffee with the guys for like six weeks. He woke up that morning. He went to breakfast. He said, I think I'm through this, you know, just had a smile on his face, went around and visited all his friends, his brother, even gave his brother a gun. And it was because he had made his decision. decision. He knew what he was going to do the next day. I am so sorry. So when you think they're happy, when they get really happy after they've been really sad, that's something else you definitely need to be aware of. Okay. So you would say to our listeners, knowing this information can be a game changer. Okay. So that should be reason enough for us all to... Take a gatekeeper class. To take a gatekeeper QPR, QPR class. class. Yes. Okay. And I'm sure after we're talking, you're going to tell us how we can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about the program. We just, um, when we go into the schools to um, do our QPR trainings, okay. we do a little role play. So we would kind of like to do that for everybody, just so you can see our body language, the questions that we ask. Okay. And uh, one other point I did want to make before we do that is um, there's a myth that suicide can't happen to you or your family. Jen and I are both examples that it can happen multiple times. Um, So we want to make sure that if you see any of these signs and symptoms that you take them seriously. Okay. Thank you for that. And we will show you how to do that. Sounds good. So y'all want to role play for us? Um, Jen can be a 16-year-old girl that her parents just split up. Um, Her boyfriend and her broke up, and she was getting straight A's, and now she's flunking. Okay. Hey, Jen. How are you? I'm just hanging in there, you know. You have been so miserable lately. Is everything okay? Well, no, but maybe it will be here soon. Are you and Joe still together? No, you know, he's dating Katie now that sits beside me in in, um, study hall. So, yeah, no, we broke up a few weeks ago. Are your parents being supportive of that? Well, my parents are getting divorced and, you know, my mom drinks all the time and she's never home. So it's just me and my little brother now. But hey, hey, look at this watch I got. I would you like to have it? Because I think you're a really good friend of mine. And I would really love for you to have my watch. I think you're going to need that watch. Well, I don't know how much longer I'm going to need it. Time don't really matter to me anymore. Are you saying you have a plan to take your own life? Well, I, yeah. I've kind of put some steps together. And um, I just got a couple things that I need to do yet. But yeah. I, yeah, I, I do have a plan. Well, I am a good friend, and I'm not going to let you do that. I want you to go with me, and we're going to get some help, and we're going to stay together, and we're going to walk through it together, and we're going to come out healthier than ever together. Um, I'm not real sure who I need to go and talk to or how to even do any of that stuff. I have the resources to help you, and I will call the resources, and we'll stay together, and we'll go together. You'll go with me? I promise. I'll be there every step of the way. Will you go? 
If you'll come with me, I will. I'll be there. Okay. Very good. So when I was watching y'all, one of those things were loss, wasn't it? So she had loss of parents or the separation, the boyfriend. It's a series of things. It's never just one thing when people take their life. It's, it's, it's that thing that pushes you over the edge. Maybe you can take four or five things. I can take five or six. And then that, that last thing happens and you just get to the point where you can't see the forest for yeah. the trees. And that's when you need to reach out for help. I really appreciate you saying that because I know sometimes people question themselves, you know, why did they do this or what mm-hmm. did I do? And mm-hmm. just hearing you, it's you nobody's fault, right? You it's, didn't do anything. No, it's nobody's fault. It's, it's, you know, a mental illness and, you know, that in itself can be stigma, but, you know, anxiety is mental illness. And they say one in 10 people one in, I'm sorry, one in five people will experience anxiety in their life. I don't believe that. I mean, I don't know that there's one person that can say, you know, I've never been depressed. I've never had anxiety. And so, you know, something like that can be what pushes the person over the edge with that depression. You don't have to have, you know, schizophrenia to complete suicide. It can be depression. Yeah. Your words are great because I, I say this often. Stigma, I think, is our biggest enemy for mental health and substance use disorders. Um, and, and we go with mental health to schizophrenia and, and these hard diagnoses. But that, that isn't what we're talking. I mean, it can be part of the equation, but it can be. Anxiety, depression, major law, those are definitely things that can fit in that mental health challenges and mental Mm -hmm. illness. People nowadays will see a doctor for Botox or gastrointestinal bypass. Um, They see a cardiologist or oncologist for medical problems. Um, There's nothing wrong with seeing a counselor or psychiatrist for mental health. Yeah. I love putting that comparison there Mm -hmm. that... You know, I don't, I don't know why we have put that in such a box, but you're right. We're a whole being and we have physical, we have yes. mental, we have spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. just makes sense that, you know, that we, we, we all need assistance in all those areas. Yes. And I think sometimes people make counseling out to be this big thing and it's, it's really not. It's, it's someone that has been trained to help people walk through situations and to develop tools and resources um, to help us move forward, and like you said, in a healthy way, you know, mm-hmm. in a stronger way. And I mean, I know people who are um, have bipolar and struggle with depression, and they are now going to counseling because they have children and they don't want to impose anything. So they're trying to live healthier lifestyles okay. to have their children to have a healthier lifestyle. And they want to show their children that counseling is okay. Yeah. You know, look at mom, she's doing it. It's okay. I love when you're saying you're going into the schools because if we can stop the stigma there at those younger ages to make just mental health issues just common, getting help is normal and asking for help and talking about these type of issues, I think 
will go a long way to prevent this in the future as well. And that was a big thing for me. I went and spoke to the freshman health classes at Indian Valley earlier this year. And I was very nervous because my two 15-year-old grandsons, their twins, were in the classes this year. And, you know, I had to tell my story and go through the QPR. And, you know, I asked them, will you be embarrassed? Because, you know, I started out by saying I'm not a professional. I do this because I have grandkids that have lost a grandpa and a great grandpa to suicide, you know, and... um, that's, you know, that's another reason we do what, what we do is because of that. Oh, I appreciate it. Some really neat work. And I don't think that some people don't realize we're seeing our children as young as seven and eight years old that are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Wow. So what are some of the reasons our young people are struggling, do y'all? I think, some insight? I think a lot of it's exempted, um, cyberbullying, and... Um, the busy lifestyle schedules, the pandemic is making it hard on everyone, not being able to socialize. And, and we've all in this last year, our work schedules, our day-to-day yeah. lives has been completely turned upside down. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of that in general, academics are juniors and seniors trying to get into college, the best, co- you know, it's just a combination of yeah. a lot of different things and how to cope with all of it. And I think for our young people, developmentally, they're supposed to be mm-hmm. interacting with each other. And I think, you know, this has really just been difficult, you know, yeah. how they recreate, how they hang out, all that kind of stuff has probably created just some crazy challenges. And with the pandemic and adults, um, we know of somebody, um, their spouse that recently joined our group, I mean, she lost her job during the pandemic. And I'm not saying that was the cause of her suicide. There were many other things. But I think that was just the icing on the cake. And I know for somebody like me that's worked outside the home for over 40 years, I had to work from home twice last year. And for me, who keeps busy doing 50 million things, it was very hard for me to not be doing my volunteer work you know, going to work and seeing my coworkers. Sure. So I think a lot of people have struggled from that. And if you were already struggling, it's just compounded. Yeah. So when you go through the QPR um, and you get to that point where you said, hey, I have resources. I'm going to walk alongside you here. What resources, where do you tell people to go for help here in our county? Well, when... Um, we started the QPR. <laughs> we, um, our group interviewed all the mental health agencies. Okay. Uh, we set them across from us and we asked questions because <laughs> we wanted to be sure if we help somebody, if somebody's suicidal, we want to get you in somewhere tonight. We don't want it to be you get an appointment in six yeah. weeks. So we have many agencies that we recommend and special ones for children. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we know where to send you for the appropriate awesome help. Very good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to kind of talk about today. Um, oh, how do people become certified in QPR? Um, you can also message our walk into the light Facebook page and just tell us that you're interested. Then we'll put you on a list. And w- when we have a class, we will include you. And also we are giving a free class at our suicide prevention walk at Tuscora Park on 
October 2nd. Awesome. Okay. So Facebook page, Walk Into the Light. There's contact information there. Um, there'll be a free class in October. Um, otherwise, we can get connected. And you just sold me on taking a QPR class. So um, I think it's just important that we know people are struggling, especially right now. Um, but life's hard and, and, and we struggle. So just to know what to look for, what are those signs? Because sometimes they're direct, but like you said, sometimes they're not. Um, so we can be ready to to kind of just make sure someone's okay. And if they're not, get them the help that they need. Yes. So very good. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up today? I don't think so. I think, I think we're good. Well, Jen and Christy, I appreciate the work you're doing, um, letting us know about this amazing resource, um, the work of the survivors group and the walk that's coming up in October. So for our listeners, I just hope you um, take time to just um, take advantage of the resources we have to learn more. And hopefully you don't need to use these uh, learned resources, but you'll be prepared if you'll you ever be prepared. Know. There you, you go. Ever need yeah. them. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. I'll be in here today um, and we'll catch you all next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.